For anybody who maybe is brand new with us, my name is Aaron Stern. I'm the lead pastor here, and it is such a joy to gather together here. Uh, before we jump into uh, the talk, I want to do a couple of things. First of all, we want to welcome anybody joining us online. Uh, so can we just give them a warm welcome? We wish you were with us in person, but um, nonetheless, we're grateful for the ways that you can be connected. Um, and then last Sunday, as many of you may know, was our Commitment Sunday for our So That Building initiative. And uh, you might be wondering, how, what's the total? Let the anticipation build, uh, because we'll be announcing it next Sunday. Uh, <laughs> Because uh, we want to give opportunity for anybody who maybe wasn't here in these last couple of weeks uh, to be able to fill out a commitment card. You can grab one of these at any of the exits at the little uh, table and uh, turn that in. There's also a sew that table out in the lobby. Um, And so uh, that way everybody can participate as we're in this final stretch. And uh, I'm excited to be able to announce where we're at and this big step for all of us as a house. Uh, we are today landing uh, our series uh, called Practice Generosity. Next Sunday we'll be starting a new series called Jesus Conversations. Excited about that. But this series, Practice Generosity, is kind of a, 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 in, a, in a couple of series throughout this year. Earlier this year we had a series called Practice Community. Uh, this one's Practice Generosity. In a couple of months we'll do Practice Scripture uh, because, because our goal is to practice the words of Jesus, that we would become more like him. And our motive for this, our motivation for this, comes uh, from the end of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is teaching, and at the end of his teaching, he says, he, he contrasts a wise disciple and a foolish disciple. They both hear the teachings of Jesus, he says, but a wise disciple is one who puts the words of Jesus into practice, and a foolish disciple is one who does not put the words into practice. We want to be wise disciples. We want to be followers of Jesus who live it out. Don't just take it in and and think, oh, that's a good idea, but actually live it, embody it, become it. And that is exactly what we're trying to do through these practice series. So uh, today we're landing, like I said, the, the practice of generosity, which is, I just want to remind everybody where this all comes from and why generosity is in fact something that we want to do and become. Uh, the scripture says, and maybe one of the most famous scriptures in the Bible, in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God gave. Gave his, his, his most extravagant gift in his son. And then it says in Ephesians chapter 5 that Jesus, it says, follow God's example. Therefore, this is written by the Apostle Paul. He says, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. God gave his son, Jesus gave his life. So it is the character, the nature, the expression of love to be generous. And we want to become and be more like Jesus. And so as a result, we want to talk about what does it look like to not be self-focused, but in fact to be outwardly focused and give. 
just like God did for us. So uh, that's what we've been talking about for the last few weeks and landing this series here today. And we're going to kind of land this series with a little bit of a different format, uh, something we'll do throughout these practice series, and that is having a conversation. And so um, I'm excited to have a conversation with Marie Beck today. Uh, <laughs> Marie Beck has a fan club. Uh, that's what I've learned today. Um, Marie Beck is our uh, pastor of city groups uh, and and oversees uh, all of that. But but Marie and her family, uh, John and their two kids, Maggie and Cooper, have been a part of our church from almost the very beginning. Um, from a couple weeks in, started coming to Mill City and have seen salvation enter their family, and have also seen transformation in their family. And so I want to talk a little bit about that journey with you here today, Marie. Um, I know you as maybe one of the most generous people I know, um, and I think that extends into the way that you're hospitable. Um, I think it has significant influence on our city groups to create space. Um, uh, But I know that it's also been a journey in relationship to finances. Um, finances isn't the only expression of generosity, but it is a significant piece of it for sure. And so I just want to talk a little bit about how you've pursued generosity and talk a little bit about that journey because it is a journey for all of us. So um, I want you to start a little bit at the beginning and w- what that's looked like and how you've kind of ended up here and, and we'll go from there. Great. I appreciate you saying it's a journey. We're still on the journey. We have not certainly arrived at generosity like Jesus. Um, We are far from it. But I was raised in a Catholic church, Catholic school background in a family in Colorado Springs where we didn't, I don't remember lacking anything. Um, I think money, if money was ever a concern, my mom and dad um, were the only ones that were aware of it. I remember not wanting for much. Um, And in terms of generosity and giving specifically in the church context, what I remember is the gold plate passing down the pews. Um, And my dad would take out his wallet and hand us, my brother and I, a bill, a 20 or a 50 or a 100 to put in the plate as it went by. Um, And as I look back on it, I think that number went up in opposite proportion to our church attendance. So like a bigger bill, the less often that we were there. Um, And I don't know, my parents very well may have been tithing in addition, but we didn't really talk about money. So I think the message that I got was like, there's this pressure moment and we take some of what we have and give it. And and then we've done well and pass the gold plate or silver plate along. So I think I... There was this implicit message of some guilt or shame if you didn't put something on the plate. Um, And then we arrived here and... And we have classy, (laughs) classic buckets. Black classic Totally an upgrade, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We used to pass the... For those of you who are new-ish, we used to pass those, not the big black containers, <laughs> but we used to pass these containers down the aisles here for a long time. That is the perk of COVID. Yeah, that was pre-COVID. We stopped yeah. passing them, and we're not going back. <laughs> yeah. um, and so then, as the as the bucket would pass, 
I'd kind of just get out of the way so John would have to deal with it because we weren't giving. Or maybe we would, out of compulsion or guilt, give a little of what we had. Um, But it was always this really uncomfortable um, pressure-filled moment. And it wasn't pressure from up, from up here. It was this internal kind of mm. guilt, shame, embarrassment, pressure, you know, that I couldn't put a big bill on the plate and then move on with my week. Mm. I, I think it's, there's lots of different feelings we might have around money, finances, and giving, uh, and church, and, and, uh, and certainly guilt is not the goal. Um, you know, I think giving at church is not a God tax. Right. Uh, giving should be worship. And, and as I started here today saying um, that God gave Jesus and Jesus gave his life, my hope and my prayer for all of us is that, is that we get a revelation of that. Mm-hmm. Because as, uh, I know that as I've gotten a revelation of that, the more I want to respond in kind. Wow, God gave everything. I want to give everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, so okay. So, so how did that change? What, what, what was there a pivot moment? Or? Yeah, yeah. There was a long pivot moment. <laughs> um, we so like Aaron shared briefly. We in this church among you, among us. My husband said yes to Jesus sitting right in this room 11 years ago. Both of our kids have said yes to Jesus. Four of us, all four of us have been baptized here and found community here and been held up when we've been um, in trouble by meals and prayers. And, and, when, and then we started to sense calling and mission and freedom. And then we realized we want that for you. And we want that for Northern Colorado. And then I realized one day, this is so embarrassing, <laughs> that um, this takes money. <laughs> like, there's rent to pay, and like, the, the pastor's kids need to eat, <laughs> and someone had to pay for the communion cup, you know, or the connection card, so my husband could fill it out with a pen that has ink. Um, <laughs> you get the point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think I, I, we started to realize that we wanted to participate in making a way for others like someone had done by giving to make a way for us. I Even like serving in our city. Like I took backpacks to Lincoln Middle School once, but I never thought someone paid for the back. There's like backpacks from heaven. I don't know. <laughs> so even the missional aspect of church life, I just hadn't given any consideration to that it took money and that, that, that we were invited into that too. And we certainly hadn't given thought to at that point— um, the way money was forming us and whether or not that was into the likeness of Jesus or the world. Hmm. So, so you realize, oh, I want to help others experience what we've yeah. experienced. So, so that was kind of the I want to, mm-hmm. maybe instead of the I have to. Mm-hmm. So what, what changed then? Yeah, um, well, our wonderful pastor uncomfortably said in a, <laughs> on a Sunday, Show me your bank account, and I'll show you what you value. Not to me personally, but to all of us. Um, but it felt like it read my, like you read if my you're mail. you're brand new here today, <laughs> Show I, us your welcome. bank account, We're glad and we'll you're show here. you what you value. Um, and then I read in a book somewhere um, about spiritual disciplines that, you know, it, the encouragement was, what does it look like at the end of your life if people go through your finances once you're gone? What will, it sh- what will they show you valued most? 
So John and I decided, reluctantly, <laughs> um, to look through our finances and see where all of the money was going. And as it turned out, we were basically tithing to the country club. Mm. <laughs> so that was a rough uh, realization. Country clubs are not bad, but it was bad for us. Um, it, was sh- it was where our allegiance was, and mm. that was demonstrated through our finances. So we had to get serious about, about reordering our lives to follow Jesus. Mm. And we, we want to be wholehearted followers of Jesus. So we had, at this point, given him lordship over our marriage and the way we parent and what we watch or don't watch, and, but not our money. Um, so there was, a, there was a move of the Spirit that came with the awareness of how upside down um, our values were, really. Not just the way we spent our money, but our values. I think that is such an important point, and an important point for all of us. And I don't know maybe how you find yourself even in this moment. Maybe you're brand new with us, and you're like, ah, here we go again, just reinforcing the church and money. Um, or maybe maybe you're like, all right, we've talked about this enough, or or whatever. I'm not sure. Maybe... Maybe there's just, um, maybe you've had a bad experience um, with finances or whatever. I want you to know uh, a couple of things. First of all, um, talking about money is important. And the reason is because of what you just said. Um, We want to take every aspect of our lives and ask ourselves, how does this line up with the way of Jesus? And that includes... Sometimes what might feel like either uncomfortable or what might feel like my own business type of subjects. And we live in a world that says, I'll determine what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it. But the way of Jesus says we take the things of our lives and we match them up against and say, do they align with the way of Jesus? And that includes our money. That includes our words. That includes our relationships. That includes our sexuality. That includes uh, our careers. That includes our time. So, so this isn't a, an aspect that, that we're picking on as much as it's just a reflection of what I hope we do with every aspect of our lives as we realize, ah, because for some it may or may not be money. For others it may be relationships or it may be something else. And, but we want to do the same thing that you just described with anything in our lives, and that is say, is my, every aspect of my life uh, centering around and coming around the way of Jesus mm-hmm. and his, how he would think about it and my will being aligned with his? Mm-hmm. So, that's, so, so what, does, what did that like, decision look like that turned into, uh, you know, we can like the idea, yeah. But then we have to put it into practice. Mm-hmm. So talk about that journey. You know, I'm, I'm sure that wasn't an overnight. Yeah. Yeah, we, um, 1 Corinthians 10 says the earth is the Lord's and everything in it is his. So we had to stop asking the question, how much of our money are we going to give? And it's not just money. It's all of the things, all of our resources. And instead ask how much of God's resources are we going to keep for now <laughs> if it all belongs to him? And so it took um, getting on the same page, unity in our marriage, which, you know, marriage is easy, so that was no problem. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Okay, talk about that just a, okay. a bit. 
marriage. Yeah. <laughs> so we, um, we would, I mean, we would point fingers like, you golf too much. Why do you have another cute pair of shoes? Thank you that they're cute. Yes. <laughs> um, so we had to like, we had to, we had to fix our eyes on the thing we were united on. And that is we, John and I are united on becoming wholehearted followers of Jesus. And that meant getting this sorted. It still means it. It's still really hard for us. Um, but we had to get in unity and then we had to be disciplined and like make a plan. So we started to give a little, um, like $5, like a little, just give a little. And, um, and there were seasons in our, there have been seasons in our 11 years here, one in particular, when we had $0 in all of our bank accounts. So there were country club days, and there have also been how will we pay our employees in our small business, or how will we pay our electrical bill days, too. Um, so I'm with you, if that is you. Um, I have been there. Um, and then we needed a plan, so we started to give a little, and then we, it, like the Lord enlarged our capacity to give. So we'd give a little, and we would gain, and we'd give a little more, and we'd and then the giving stopped feeling like reluctantly and more like cheerfully. Mm. Um, and it took like setting our giving up. Uh, because in the, uh, I think one of the obstacles with giving is, can be like, a, I have an irregular income. And we have an irregular income. So if we tried to give at the end of the month, <laughs> that never worked. Though somehow we golfed or had cute shoes. So, um, <laughs> so we, had to, we had to be disciplined. This, this comes difficult, difficultly, is that a word? Sure. Pretty darn hard to <laughs> us. Um, so we had to be really disciplined with our decisions around money. Um, when you think about how that has gone mm-hmm. and like what has it meant now, uh, you know, I know it's a continued journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that you're like into it, how would you describe? Yeah, um, it it still requires our attention and submission to Jesus, our relationship with money specifically. Um, but it's been this faith builder to give and not lack, and we don't give for this reason. But Scripture says um, the verse before. Each of you should decide what to give in your heart and give cheerfully and not reluctantly or under compulsion. Talks about those who sow generously reap generously and those who sow sparingly reap sparingly. And that has been a real experience of ours. So um, so the more we give, the more we have, which is so amazing (laughs) and is the opposite of how the world's economy works. The more you give, the less you have. But in the economy of God, the, that is not the case. We have, so we'll, you know, give to support someone going to counseling or something. And then we'll get a call that somebody gave and paid for our kids to go to summer camp. And it's like, a, well, you did it again. <laughs> it's so fun. So, so there's life and freedom. And on a, I am beginning to understand what it really means to give cheerfully. And it's not about what I gain, but about the faith in God that is increasing as our hearts enlarge in our giving. 
So would you say your relationship with money has changed? Yeah. Money growing up meant security. Like it was the thing that could, you know, give me control over my life. Which, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, and it also meant success. Like to be successful meant to make a lot of money and um, for others to know that. And so, so in some ways, money held the place of God. Um, and now, now we see money. It belongs to God. It is a resource that he gives us for the sake of others and for the sake of our own godliness mm-hmm. and spiritual formation. Mm-hmm. So good. If you were to, uh, you know, I know we're all in a different place in our journeys with generosity, um, openness of heart and life. Um, if you were to just speak to somebody wrestling at this moment, what would you say? Hmm. Um, I would say start somewhere. Like if we, if we wait, um, if we wait until we can give 10% or we can give what we think would be an impressive amount or, um, then we'll just wait. We did that for a long time. So I would say give a little, invite the Holy Spirit to lead you. Um, God is convictor. The Spirit will convict you and counsel you and provide and then, and then one other thing I think that we did that helped is we set a budget for giving. So, like, in addition to what we give regularly, we have this little budget that is set aside for random acts of giving. And that is a, a really enjoyable way to give and to watch God move. And sometimes you see the fruit of it and sometimes you don't know. Um, but that was another practical thing that incre- increased our capacity to give. So instead of extra money in my shoe budget, I put a little <laughs> extra money in the giving budget. And then my friends give me birthday shoes. See how it works? <laughs> I, I want to say this too. I think it's important to recognize um, the journey. And the journey is not between you and me. Yeah as your pastor, or between you and the church, Mm -hmm. Mill City, it's between you and God. Mm -hmm. And so um, I I hope that in no way that you feel any pressure, but it is instead an invitation. The way of Jesus is the way of invitation. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't see Jesus um, pressuring. He invites the rich young ruler to sell all he has. Mm -hmm. And when he doesn't, he walks away. So, um, so it's important that as we walk through this together, um, that we are, we are responding to the invitation of Jesus, just as you're maybe describing as different things are coming up mm-hmm. and coming along um, for you. So um, I want to I wanna just shift a little bit <laughs> towards, um, towards generosity that looks like hospitality. Uh, I think I said this last week, but the, in the first century and throughout Christianity, uh, the history of Christianity, generosity uh, is in the same place or in the same uh, understanding, language, um, same discussion of hospitality. It's not just a money thing. Um, it, is a, it is an open heart thing. It is an open house thing. Um, it's, a, it's an open table type mm-hmm. of thing. So um, this also is something that I think that you and your family do well. Um, but, but it's been a journey. Mm -hmm. So talk about that journey as well. Yeah, this, 
hospitality, I think, has come easier for me than the money piece. Um, hospitality, we have experienced from you. Um, as I look at your faces, many of you modeled hospitality for us. And um, it turns out it's delightfully contagious. <laughs> um, I think when I think about hospitality, um, I think of it two ways. One is the world's hospitality, which causes someone to leave, your guest to leave your home or wherever you are, feeling like you're really great. Like you're, they are really wonderful. Thanks for having us. They are really great. And where the king, where kingdom hospitality causes the guest to leave feeling like, oh, I really am great. <laughs> I really matter to them. Mm-hmm. If I matter to them, maybe I matter to God. Mm-hmm. So Christian hospitality isn't about the host. It is about the guest, which then gives shape to, like, how do we generously extend um, hospitality? Yeah. I love the, I like to think about it in this way, that it's not, uh, the kingdom hospitality says, there you are, whereas maybe the world hospitality says, here I am. Hmm. And, and, and it does something different to the space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that space, what is, what's the goal, or how does that look, or what would you say creates that? Yeah. Um, in the book, Holy Huga which is like a Danish word for comfy hospitality. Um, (laughs) Jamie Erickson's author, she writes, beautiful homes are the ones in which the goodness of God is revealed to the guest. Mm. I love that. The goodness of God is revealed to the person at my table, not my goodness. Mm. That feels like the point. Jesus opens the table so that we know we have a place at it, Mm -hmm. regardless of how we're coming in knowing him or not, what, what our sin looks like, what our giving looks like, whatever. Um, and so, so our goal in hospitality as followers of Jesus should be the same, to reflect the goodness of God to people. Um, I think there's a few ways practically that this can work um, and not work. <laughs> Have you ever been at a table where you're like, oh, this is rough? or where you leave feeling like i'm awful Mm. i i don't have matching silverware or i don't have you know where you're where you leave ashamed of what you don't have Mm. rather than having encountered the goodness of god Mm. um so here are a few things let's see um oh let me tell you this i was reading something about Um, first impressions when people come into a space. So not necessarily your first impression when you meet, but when you arrive. And that, um, and this author suggests that in the first like five seconds of arriving, we come to a conclusion of one of two things. The first being that we're delighted in. And the second that is the is being a receiver of uh, recipient of disgust, hmm. and and that there's no in between. We immediately decide you're delighted to see me, or you're disgusted to see me. Hmm. And so our approach to people within the first little bit of time that we're with them is so important. Hmm. Specifically, like with our words, you'll notice every Sunday 
we say we're so glad that you're here. I think we have a giant sign that says it. Because we're so glad you're, someone's so glad I'm here. I'm so glad you're here, Allison. We're so glad you're here. And that, that says something that is awfully Christ-like to us. And then second is the way we reflect delight or disgust in our face. So if we are stoic or self, kind of like navel-gazing, you know, how am I doing hosting? then we can be misinterpreted as, mm. as disgusted as opposed to expressing joy in, joy in seeing someone. Um, and this can take practice for us because our world, especially for the men in our world, my son included, you know, we started like big boys don't cry when he was really little. Mm. Now we teach him great men do cry <laughs> and express delight in their faces. So that feels like my favorite way. It's free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like it's a free and easy way to really express hospitality. Mm. So talk about how, like you said it's a little more natural, but talk, talk about how you've grown. Like what, is, what does growth look like? Yeah, um, I, where I grew up, um, a lot of the hospitality was for the sake of um, perception. Mm. Right? Some of you could relate to that. Um, and so, so worldly hospitality, hospitable, sure, but not Christian hospitality. So there's been a, like, becoming in me, and it's still a growth point for me to invite people into my real life, like mm. messy, uncleaned kitchen. I can't do that yet. <laughs> um, so there's been a, like, a, a need to grow out of pretending to have it all together and invite people into where we're really at. Um, that's probably been the hardest thing about hospitality for mm. me. So good. I think it's so important, too, to just come around the reality that, that, that we, we don't have to have a lot to be hospitable. No. Um, listening is so yeah. wonderful. And maybe especially in our world that likes to talk, and it's like, if I have an opinion, I must share it, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that that to just listen to someone mm-hmm. is so valuable. Mm-hmm. Anybody, all of us can listen. Mm-hmm. Um, for some of us, it's harder than others. Mm-hmm. I spent a whole year, actually. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I was praying for a word for the year, and I felt like God said, just listen. So I, had to, I, I spent a whole year mm-hmm. trying to listen just to hear and not listen to respond, which is, like you said, another form of mm-hmm. hospitality. Yeah. I, I also think like within the reality of kingdom hospitality, you know, you talked about the host and the guest. If we only stay in the host role, uh, even if it's, you know, our, our home, um, sure. I think if we stay in the host role only, then we really are only entertaining. Right, that's good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and the goal <clears throat> is to not... <clears throat> If you're here last week, this was a blessing. So um, the goal is not just to be the entertainer. Mm-hmm. In, the, in kingdom hospitality, there becomes an element of mutuality yeah. where, where we will open our lives, like you said, so that we, we don't just become the host, but we actually can also become the guest at the mm-hmm. same time. And we serve one another by creating space for each other in our 
in more than just, I hope you had a wonderful time and this like entertained you as much as we're, we're really doing something on the outside, if you will, to have a meal together to show something and create something on the inside. Mm -hmm. Communicate the goodness of God and open our lives to one another. Mm -hmm. Milo Miller says, um, don't own it if you can't loan it. Tuck that away. Um, and that, that, that's the, the, the real invitation in, like you're describing, that applies in our giving, you know, and, and our approach to being generous. You know, he has a trailer. He wouldn't have a trailer if he wasn't willing to loan the trailer. Um, and that has helped shape some of the way that John and I uh, try to engage with our resources mm. hospitably. Yeah, so good. Okay, um, I need to kind of lay in the plane here. I want to, we every week we give a, a weekly practice. So I want to uh, end with a weekly practice here for all of us um, in this relationship to generosity, and that is to take time to honestly fill in the blank. I find it hard to be generous with. Now, for some of you, it might be finances. Uh, for others of you, it might be time. For others of you, it might be like your, your table, like inviting people into your home. Or maybe it's into your life. Uh, maybe it's, I have a hard time being generous with my listening. So there, it can, there's a wide, wide range of what you could fill that blank in with. So I'd love for you to take some time this next week and ask the Holy Spirit and honestly answer that question. Um, actually, how about if we take 30 seconds right now just to begin that process? Can we, can we do that? Mm-hmm. So 30 seconds, fill in the blank. Holy Spirit, we want our hearts and our lives, every aspect of who we are, to belong to you. As followers of Jesus, you said that we would deny ourselves and pick up our crosses. And we want to do that. And sometimes we don't consciously, and sometimes we don't subconsciously or unconsciously. So would you help us to bring every aspect of our lives to you? And handle them in the way of your kingdom. And so we want to offer you our finances. We want to offer you our time. We want to offer you our, our, our resources. We want to offer you everything. Would you be king? Would you be Lord? Would you help us to uh, open our grip, open our hands on the things that maybe we're tight-fisted with? Would you help us to open our hearts, open our years, open our homes, open our tables. To not just play the, the host, but become the guest. Because mm-hmm. scripture is so clear that you have prepared a table for us. And we thank God, see us with a delight 
not disgust. So may we see that, experience that, receive that, so that we might be able to pour that out to the world around us. This we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. As I began today, or we began today, I read a couple of scriptures talking about how Jesus gave his life away. And at the end of the day, the way that we're going to be most generous is not just by saying, oh, come on, I got to do this. I want to, I want to do more generous things. I actually, we actually want to become more generous. And the, the best way for that to become a reality is for us to get a revelation of who God is and what Jesus did for us. And one of the ways that we come back to that and that becomes more and more alive in our hearts and our lives is by taking communion together. So we're going to end here and end this series by taking communion. Uh, on your way in, you should have received a communion cup. If you did not, it's okay. Would you just raise your hand and uh, one of our host team will make their way to you to make sure that you get a communion cup and you can participate with us. Here at Mill City, we practice what we call open communion, which means that if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to encourage you to participate with us. It's not about belonging to a particular church or being a member of a particular church, but it's about belonging and being a part of the family of God. If you're here today and maybe you'd say, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but you sense this tug on your heart from the Holy Spirit to cross the line of faith and say, say that you need Jesus. I want to just offer the invitation and the opportunity for you. It's a simple step, a simple step, a step of surrender and giving, actually, where we give our lives. We recognize that Jesus gave his life for us, and we in kind and in response say, I, Jesus, I give you my life. So would you take a moment, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, just even say, Jesus, under your breath, sincerely, Jesus, I give you my life. It's not the only thing you need to say to God, but it is an amazing and important first thing to say to him in a journey of receiving and experiencing the life found in Jesus. So if you just said that simple prayer, Jesus, I give you my life. I want to encourage you to participate in communion with us. If you choose not to participate this morning, that is no problem. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to read a passage of scripture, then we'll take the bread and the juice together, and then Marie is going to close us in prayer. If you've never taking communion with us here at Mill City. We have these little uh, crinkly <laughs> communion cups, the communion crinkle at Mill City. Um, peel off the top layer, get access to the bread. Peel off the next layer, get access to the juice. Maybe you've done this a lot before. I pray that this would not just be something that is a rote tradition or that is just familiar, but that it would be fresh and new for all of us. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthian church, teaching them about communion and coming around the table of Jesus, says, reminding them of what this was all about, where this started. It says, the Lord Jesus, and the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
take the bread and the juice together. What a sweet sound, Lord. <laughs> the sound of family around the table, remembering your sacrifice. We thank you. Father, would you enlarge our hearts, cause us to be more sacrificial in our lives of loving, not just the people we like, but our neighbors, whether we like them or not, and our enemies even, Lord, create in us profound, palpable hearts of love. God, we thank you that in you there is freedom and grace abounding. And that that is for me and that is for each person here this morning. As we wrap up this series on generosity, God, would you breathe, Holy Spirit, supernatural generosity into every one of our hearts, that we would be more quick to give what is yours away. And, and Holy Spirit, if, if there are ways that we are, that we are close-fisted or in chains or that we're serving something other than you, would you reveal that to us and set us free, we pray. We thank you for the gift of your church and the table that is for every person. We love you. We trust you. We praise your holy name, Jesus.